Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 16th episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo. I'm here with my co-host, Scott Klein. Uh, we're without our resident coach, high school football coach, Hunter Evans, today, who uh, I think he's going to a concert or something. That's way more important than a podcast, right? Oh, yeah. You know, priority. <laughs> yeah. He did, however, say, and I'm sure... I think it was the Backstreet Boys, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> I'm sure... Uh, all of his devoted fans will appreciate this. He did say he was going to go home and cry himself to sleep when we told him we could not reschedule the podcast this week. So, yeah. The show must go on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The show must go on. We're here for y'all. So, again, this is the Gen Jack Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Jordan DeLugo. You can find my co-host, at Scott Klein one That's Scott Klein. K-L-E-I-N-1. Um, so, we've got a jam-packed show for you today. We brought you in with the tunes of uh, Less Than Jake there. And that kind of goes with our theme today, which uh, we're going to stick with for a little bit before we have to get big time into the Senior Bowl preview, because the Senior Bowl is this weekend. Um, so, the question is, are the Jaguars their own worst enemy? And the reason that question has come to light is because of a very well-written and insightful article that was done by one of our contributing writers at Generation Jaguar, Travis Johns. And he basically looks at the question as to whether or not Doug Marone has already made the same fatal mistakes that Gus Bradley made at the beginning of his tenure and what we're referring to specifically there is the coordinator hires. So just to refresh your memory a little bit, uh, at the beginning of Gus Bradley's tenure, he hired Jed Fish to be his offensive coordinator and Bob, excuse me, Bob Babich to be his defensive coordinator. Now at the time that Jed Fish was hired to be the Jaguars offensive coordinator by Gus Bradley, Fish had no experience in the NFL as an offensive coordinator and had not been a super experienced offensive coordinator in college at all either. Now, on the other side of the ball, Bob Babich, he had been a defensive coordinator in the NFL before, but he was fired, well, he was demoted in Chicago where he was the defensive coordinator. He was demoted from defensive coordinator to linebackers coach and then eventually fired. And then his next job after being fired as the linebacker coach was when Gus Bradley hired him to be the Jaguars defensive coordinator. Now, obviously neither of those guys were the most um, the most experienced at their position that were available or the most qualified in terms of 
you know, just the general vibe that was going on around them. Nobody was clamoring to get their hands on fish or Babbage at that time. So, with Babbage, Bradley went with someone that he was familiar with because they had coached together for years in the past, and Babbage had actually been Bradley's um, superior prior. So, Bradley just went with a familiarity one there. And then with Jed Fish, he went with someone who was clearly inexperienced and probably not ready to take over such a raw team. And a, and a first-time head coach, being a de- defensive-minded head coach, bringing on a first-time offensive coordinator who'd never been a coordinator in the NFL, only held a handful of positions. Position coaching jobs, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it didn't put himself in a very good position. Absolutely not. Um, and those those hires were questioned when they happened at the time, and they were questioned for good reason, and they both ended up costing Gus big time. Now, Gus did replace both of those guys while he was the, uh, the head coach still in Jacksonville, and he replaced them with one Greg Olson, who at the time I don't think it was possible to say with any supreme confidence that that is... 100% a bad hire. In hindsight, it was a bad hire. Uh, going into that situation, Olsen had done some positive things. He had Josh Freeman had had his best season under Greg Olson in Tampa, and Olsen had also guided uh, Derek Carr to a very impressive rookie season out in Oakland. <coughs> now, uh, Many fans of those teams would tell you that Olsen was not a very good offensive coordinator and that he was not uh, not adequate because of his play calling and his kind of unwillingness to be creative. And we saw that a lot in Jacksonville. Uh, obviously, that hire, I don't think you can point at and say that was a terrible hire. Going into it, looking back, you can say it was a terrible hire. Yeah. But... That is what it is. That's hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, then he replaced Babbage, Gus Bradley did, with um, Todd Wash, who again is another guy who Gus Bradley just had a lot of familiarity with, mm-hmm. um, and a guy that seemingly would kind of bend to Bradley's will as as long as Bradley was the head coach, and then. Bradley ended up having to fire Olsen because that didn't work out. And so he just promoted Hackett, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Now, um, that's another guy who was just incredibly familiar with what was going on in Jacksonville. So, all these hires that Gus Bradley made as the head coach, none of them really worked, save Todd Walsh, who the jury's still out on him, but after one year as a defensive coordinator, there's clear improvement. But it's hard to tell whether that is actually the scheme or just the talent kind of coming together. Did John Cyprian get better because of a scheme change, or did he get better because he was playing next to um, an actual competent free safety, (laughs) you know, so he could play in the box more? Uh, Did the Jaguars' pass rushers get better, or did... Because of Todd Wash's development, or did they just get lucky and hit gold with a uh, third-round pick in Unique Ngakwe? Yeah, and you know, spend ninety-two million dollars on Malik Jackson. Uh, there's a lot of questions remaining. Now, my point regarding these hires is that for the most part, Gus Bradley went with the familiar face guy he's worked with before, guy he knows well. Doug Marone has done the same thing, and even further up in the organization, Dave Caldwell and Tom Coughlin and Shad Khan have done the same thing by instead of going out and finding a more qualified guy, they hired Doug Marone. And while it's easy, it could easily be said that Doug Marone was the most qualified guy, you know, he had continuity. He had coaching experience as the NFL at the NFL level and at and had the college some, level. And had some success, right? Yeah. So a, maybe did a little bit better than he should have in Buffalo. It's hard to say that Marone wasn't a good hire 
Uh, he has experience. But, again, it's going with the familiar face. And then Marone goes with familiar faces and his coordinators again. They basically just brought back the exact two same coordinators that finished the season in Todd Wash and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, Hackett certainly isn't the most experienced or qualified offensive coordinator that was on the market this year. Yeah. Um, but, again, not saying that he's bad. He did some good things with Jacksonville after uh, Olsen was shown the door halfway through the season. Uh, and then Wash, again, like we said, did some very good things. But, again, it goes back to just bringing back guys you're familiar with, which is what screwed Gus Bradley over in the first place. Mm-hmm. Some of what screwed Gus Badley over in the first place. So is this is this the Jaguars being their own worst enemy again? I think, to me, it, it obviously, like, throughout this whole process, it's been screaming that the Jaguars thought they were just a couple tiny moves away. Yeah. Um, outside of that, the uh, coordinators, position coaches, there was a lot of turnover. The guys that work with the players every single day. Yeah. There was some big changes made, yeah. and maybe that was guys brought in that were Todd washes. And well, there was definitely some Coughlin guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. I mean, you've got the offensive line coach who worked with Coughlin for a long time. Defensive backs coach worked with Coughlin for a long time. So, but basically now it's it's kind of a clean slate because Todd Wash hasn't been able to run his defense. Yeah, uh, Hackett hasn't been able to run his offense. Yeah, now you have an entirely new, almost new staff to be able to form them and say, "This is what we want to do. This is our view of what we need to do." Um, so it, they are very similar. Um, it's you just got to wait and see. Yeah, I mean, the, time it, will tell. The people at the top, you're like, okay, well, I mean, Gus Bradley was the one who hired him and. He clearly struck out on a lot of things, so yeah. the jury's still out on them, but they brought in a whole new set of people. Um, and I think that's obviously them saying not only what you just said, which is they're close, but that Gus Bradley was the issue. and, and The culture that was established yeah. by Gus Bradley And there, there needs the to be a new mentality and a yeah. new way of doing things. And there certainly will be. So, I mean, while there is a lot of continuity with this staff, there's also some new blood and... We're in by no means indicting what they've done. We're just showing, you know, this narrative that's taken place uh, and simply asking the question, could the Jaguars be falling into the same trap they did four years ago? And the answer is, the answer is we don't know. (laughs) We certainly will find out, though. And uh, that's, again, why we brought you in there with the science of selling yourself short. Hopefully the Jaguars are not doing that. Yeah. Um, now, before we get hot and heavy into the Senior Bowl, because that's going to dominate Ooh, our show. There's a lot to talk about. A lot of fun stuff, really. The Senior Bowl is great. Uh, we're going to get into a interview that actually just took place today, if you're listening to this, on Thursday the 26th, and it took place tomorrow, or the day before, Wednesday, January 25th, the day we're recording. But anyways... Um, Dave Caldwell sat down with Brian Sexton, who used to be the voice of the Jaguars, and they had a really enlightening interview, in my opinion. Caldwell isn't always the most uh, giving or forthcoming interview, but I think that there was some interesting things said um, regarding the Tom Coughlin hiring as the executive vice president. Uh, he uh, Caldwell, that is, essentially said that his day-to-day tasks won't change at all, but Tom Coughlin will be a great resource for him to talk to constantly, that constant back and forth. And then regarding the hire of Doug Marone, Caldwell said he was always the favorite and continuity and familiarity were the key. Again, that kind of goes back to what we talked about just now about going with guys you're comfortable with. Now, he did say... Marone had a head start on every other candidate, not only because he was familiar with the players and the rest of the staff, but because he already had an idea of what went wrong during the season. Mm -hmm. There's no other guys that could go in there 
in an interview and honestly tell Dave Caldwell what went wrong. Because they because they weren't there, they were busy. <laughs> they don't know the Maroon knew. Yeah, they don't know the play calls. They don't know the the the, the nuances of the scheme. They don't know all the intricate details that, from the outside looking in, are, are just a mystery. Yeah. So it's, I mean, when you have a guy who's been a part of it all, can see the faults, can see the successes, and be able to identify, correct, and improve. Man, that's a. I mean, if you think he is a competent candidate he's got a mile lead over anybody else right exactly and he clearly was more than competent um dave caldwell versus um doug marone and tom coughlin and i do not mean that in a negative way but caldwell kind of has this and this is his own words and i'm sure he didn't mean to sound arrogant but the way it came out it was a little bit he has this visionary (laughs) mindset and simply what he meant by that is really the big picture yeah. and the long term. Uh, and so he focuses more on the long term, whereas Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin are like, we need to win lunch. Yeah. We need to day- win dinner. Day-to-day operations. <laughs> we need to win everything. We need to win every game. We need to win now. So I think, and Caldwell agrees, it'll bring good balance. Mm. And hopefully it all works out. Hopefully it's not too many cooks in the kitchen. But on the surface right now, it looks like that'll be a good balance. Because I believe, and Caldwell will never say this, but Gus kind of just totally agreed with what Caldwell said in terms of the vision, the long-term approach. Yeah. And Marone and Coughlin are fine. Yeah. They've <laughs> They're got ready that. to win. And they've... And they've had success they yeah. know what it takes so they that, can all balance each other out i think it's, it's it's all well and good when you think you know what it takes to get to the promised land but to actually have been there done that done it twice that's a lot of learning experience and that's things that not a lot of people on this earth know yeah in the building so i mean they they have a vision they know what they want to do and it's it's a valuable asset to have those guys in the building no question. Now, moving on to Dave Caldwell's star child, Blake Bortles. <laughs> uh, of course, you can't have a Dave Caldwell interview without touching on that subject. Uh, Caldwell's still pretty much 100% all in on Bortles. Yep. Uh, he believes that Bortles is still growing, and he has the intelligence, composure, and work ethic to succeed in the NFL. And he not only thinks the Jaguars can win a lot of games with Blake Bortles, but he supremely believes they can win a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. Yeah, I mean... He's <laughs> if you got, don't believe, I mean, I guess you're doing the wrong thing. He's got all the physical abilities. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's got a lot of physical flaws, but those can be corrected. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he can get it done. He's, he's shown that he can play well. Um, maybe not that much this year. But it's a guy where you get the right situation, you get some good players around him, which they feel that they have. Why not? I mean, you, you, every single team in the league is looking for somebody to lead them at the quarterback position. That's the most important position. That's the most valued position. And that's the, most, that's the position that the most resources are spent on. Yeah. When you can give up three first-round draft picks to get a quarterback... There's not another position within 100 miles of that. So, I mean, when you think you have the guy, you latch onto him and you give him every chance he can get. Absolutely. Now, on free agency, Dave Caldwell said that they'll pick their spots. But he said, if we have a weakness, we will be as aggressive as needed to go get that player at that position. If we think he's the the right guy. Yeah, the Jaguars are going to have over $50 million in. Cap space once free agency starts, which is just ridiculous. I mean... Go get him. Go get him. Props to him and John Idzik for getting the contracts done the way they have gotten them done for the last four years. In my opinion, that is by far the biggest asset and the thing that Caldwell and Idzik have been the most successful at. I don't think it's close. Yeah. Getting the contracts that are friendly for the team yeah no i mean when you look back and just to see when you can sign a guy which is 
a knock on Caldwell at the same time. When you can sign a guy like Jared Odrick and two years later cutting him, it's not going to kill you. Right. I mean, that's... that's, that's and Caldwell, by the, the way, in this interview also said... He still believes that Audric and Thomas are good players and by no means are they locks yeah. to be gone. But of course he's going to say that because they're still on the roster. They're not a lock to be gone until yeah. they're gone. I think, yeah, with Thomas it's a little different. He's, he's shown so much upside um, with, with Audric. I mean, he, you know who he is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> now, on the draft, Caldwell wouldn't get into any specific players, but he did say that he thinks it's very deep at cornerback wide receiver, defensive line, and, oh, yeah, running back. Oh, yeah. He threw that that at the end because he was like, oh, yeah, duh, I can't forget to mention running back because anybody with a football bone in their body knows this is a hell of a running back class. Um, On the 2017 season, he again believes that the Jaguars are very close. He mentioned the fact that the Jaguars lost 10 games by less than a touchdown. So, you know, they are close. And now on the young talent on the defensive side of the ball, Jalen, Unique, Miles, he sees the sky as the limit, and he believes players usually take their biggest jump from year one to year two. So he's expecting some Pro Bowls in the near future for these guys. Man, he might have hit three home runs in one at bat. Yeah. <laughs> the, if that draft turns out the way that we think First, it second, and third round, my M- goodness. Miles, Miles Jack does a lot to be seen. He didn't get on the field a lot, but you, you saw flashes. I totally disagree. I think, I mean, you're right. You didn't see a lot. But, you, you, in my opinion, if you question Miles Jack's skill, no, and no, I'm not no, saying no. you're doing that, yeah. but any listeners, don't think that Miles Jack isn't skilled because he wasn't on the field last year. Not that no. dude's a baller. I've, and I've always screamed this from the mountaintops. If your scheme keeps talented players off the field, then you have a bad scheme. When Absolutely. scheme outranks playability, you're doing something wrong. Yeah, and I don't think that's ever going to be an issue anymore. I certainly hope it's not. Get good football players. They'll, they'll take you where you want to go. Yeah. And again, you're listening to the Gen Jag podcast. Find us online at genjag.com. Uh, We've got all the latest news, analysis, everything you could possibly want, all things Jaguars. And we've got some pretty sweet gear on our website, too. Um, And we're actually, I haven't even announced this yet or put out any posts about this, but our our, uh, membership pre-sale for 2017 has already started. You can go to our website right now at genjag.com and sign up for your 2017 membership which includes t-shirt, sticker, koozie, member card that gets you discounts at all sorts of local places, Metro Diner, uh, Burrito Gallery, Mellow Mushroom, just to name a few, Sports Mania as well. And then you also get to drink and eat for free at every home game tailgate. That's by far the best benefit. It's a good time. So go to genjag.com to get your membership now. And again, the uh, pre-sale memberships are only $25.00. Once the uh, actual memberships are available, it will be $40 a membership. You had me a drink. Yeah. So <laughs> go check it out. Um, plenty more info on the website, genjag.com. And you can find Generation Jaguar on Facebook and Instagram, at Generation Jaguar. On Twitter, at Generation Jag. You can find my co-host, Scott Klein, at Scott Klein one on Twitter. You can find me, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So now that we're done with our shameless plugs, we are going to move on to the Senior Bowl, which is going to dominate the rest of our show for today. The meat and potatoes. Whew. So last week we got pretty... We got a little, a little deep into the East-West Shrine game, and we had some fun with that. The East-West Shrine game, again, featured 90 players that were either drafted or signed as undrafted free agents in 2016. That's all good and dandy. But the Senior Bowl is a whole different animal. There was over 80 players that were drafted, not drafted or signed as undrafted free agents. 80 players that were drafted from the Senior Bowl in 2016. There are quite a few players that will go first round. Yes, there's absolutely a ton of talent in this Senior Bowl. 
and we're going to get hot and heavy into it. Um, it. It appears at this point that the South team oh my is goodness. just loaded with top talent. Um, I think I'll give you the floor for a little <laughs> bit here, Scott, to start looking at some of these incredibly talented players that might fit with the Jaguars and where the Jaguars might be looking to take them if things shake out the right way. Yeah. No, I mean, look at just... Just scanning it, doing the eye test, it looks completely one-sided with NFL talent. Now, in terms not, of the in terms South of, versus the North, correct. Yeah, the South on just at first glance looks like they have so much more talent. So, and that's granted, we live in the South. A lot of these are SEC players, so it's names that we're familiar. But with. But that is for good reason. The SEC dominates the draft. Very, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent correct. Um, this is not saying, oh, the North doesn't have any good football players. That's not at all true. But these are guys who are top-level talent that flash to me um, that potentially I could see the Jaguars being interested in. Yeah, and we'll, and just we'll take a look me. at how they might fit. Yeah. Like in terms of if this happens with the Jaguars in the offseason, this is how this player might fit. This, um, is, this is going... In numerical order from the jersey number. There's no rankings. This isn't oh, from top to bottom, 1 to 10, right. or however many we do. This is just, I looked at the list of names, and there's a number next to them. Yeah. And <laughs> um, also, before we get into that, I do want to let everybody know we will be getting into specifically the running backs from this game. We're going to look at the top five running backs from yeah. the Senior Bowl and how they might fit with the Jaguars because running back is such a polarizing topic around Jacksonville right now. So, Scott, the floor is yours. All right. First off, um, when I saw this guy's name on the list, man, I, it, I was so excited to watch this game. Montrevious Adams out of Auburn. Um, defensive tackle, number one. I love that. I love seeing number one on now such a he was, big dude. He was a defensive tackle at Auburn. Auburn, correct. Um, he's a guy, when you, watch, when you watch that game, he stands out like no other. He's an unreal talent. Um, he's violent on the inside. Um, looking at late first, maybe early second, um, a guy who... Depending on who we get at the top, which if you draft a defensive lineman in the, in the first round, do you go back and pick a defensive tackle in the second round? If he's the best available player, then yeah, maybe you do. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy where if he's sitting there at the top of the second round and we took him, man, and do I you would think, not be. Do you think he's strictly a defensive tackle? Um, he's pretty. He's he's pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if. I would say so. Um, he would be more of, I would say, a three technique, kind of similar to Malik. Um, but he's a guy where you think he could be a run stuffer though too. He's got the ability. I wouldn't say it's his, it's his strong. Maybe suit. he's so he he's that kind of explosive, massive defensive he's tackle. He's such an athletic. For. He's he's so much more athletic than you would imagine a guy who's that big. Right. Um, where he's he he's just. Absolutely impressive every time you watch him. So it's something where if, if he does fall, he would be something I would be interested in. So maybe, you know, he's similar to another Auburn defensive tackle that the Jaguars currently employ. Yeah, never Marks. It might be a homecoming. Um, now, speaking of Cinderic Marks, if the Jaguars send him packing and Avery Jones decides to test free agency, then there is a major need at defensive tackle. Absolutely. I mean, you might not be drafting your starter because you've still got – uh, obviously, Malik Jackson at the three technique and Roy Miller at nose tackle or you know the big tackle, but um, and you and you might see a little bit shine away from the a true nose tackle if if Wash does decide to change things up a little bit. Yeah, um, but you still need a guy who's solid against the run and can eat up double teams constantly. No doubt. Um, now going into quarterbacks, it's something where. It's going to be – you have to have a contingency plan in the NFL. And a lot of people talk saying draft one every year. Yeah, that's been a common sentiment that you hear more and more lately. Always hear it from our boy uh, Jeff Lagerman. Yeah. Uh, he, he, he's a firm believer in that. And Unless you're the Jets. They have been striking out left and right. Well, you know. <laughs> but they're bound to hit eventually. Eventually you got to hit on one. Now, um, 
and the jury's still out on uh, their most recent guy that Petty. they drafted. Oh, no, Hackenberg? Yeah. There's Hackenberg. You don't know yet. It doesn't seem like it's going to be great. but And they've drafted guys that a lot of people didn't like very much. Like, didn't they take Geno Smith in the first round? Or was it the second I think second it was early round? second. So, you know, like, they haven't made great decisions. But, obviously, based yeah. on what's going on there, they haven't made yeah. great decisions. Yeah, I mean, decisions. And even I mean, you took a guy like Brandon Allen last year in the sixth round, I believe. Yeah. Um, there's another guy uh, quarterbacking for the South, uh, Davis Webb out of California. Uh, he's a guy I know personally. Well, uh, not personally, but I know him very They're well. They're best friends. Um <laughs> He whooped. He threw about seven hundred yards on the Texas defense. Wow! I stayed up till three in the morning watching that game. And was that this year? Yep. My goodness. Um, the knock on him, he can be very inconsistent. He's got physical ability. Um, I mean, he's he he can throw it all over the yard, but when he goes bad, things can really get downhill. I mean, so it's it, so that you, could be maturity. It could be just. He gets in his own head. Yeah, it could be a mental thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's not what you're looking for with the. But it's it's something where he's got the physical ability. Where is he worth taking a late round risk on? Somebody's gonna do it. Yeah. So I mean, if he's sitting there and the, the, <laughs> he he's projected as high as a third round pick, um, I don't know if he'll go there. But quarterbacks, it's so hard to pro- project where they're gonna go because, like I said earlier, there's so many resources that are spent. On, on that position, right. that they are, they can be absolutely picked well, yeah, two or you, three rounds ahead of where you thought they were going to go. You could easily see uh, three quarterbacks getting drafted in the first round this year with yeah. Trubisky, Kaiser, and Watson. And I mean, who knows if anybody else could sneak in there? I doubt it. But uh, yeah, Davis Webb's a guy to keep an eye on for maybe a late round flyer mm-hmm. on quarterback. Um, and he's a guy. That if he does last a while, it could be a similar situation to what happened with Allen last year. Yeah. Because the Jaguars had a much higher grade on Allen than the sixth round. <laughs> so you see if David, Davis Webb has the same kind of thing where he falls back, it could be a similar situation. Yeah. Um, another guy that uh, this is – I'm starting on the South team, by the way. So we're going to run through the South because they have a whole list of names. I had to cross a couple off just so we could fit them in this segment. Um, so then we're going to start with the South, then go to the North. Um, the next next guy for the South um, is Justin Evans, safety from Texas A and M. Uh, with going, I think Wash. I I'll, there's a lot of talk that he'll go kind of back to a traditional four three, um, having uh, two high safety looks quite a bit more. Basically, making Jonathan Cyprian irrelevant. Yeah, I mean he's. He's scheduled to be a free agent this year, I believe. Yeah, he is. Um, he, Justin Evan, he's a guy who is, apparent, by all accounts, skyrocketing his draft stock, looking to be a late first, second round kind of guy. Um, he's a guy who, repla- if you're looking to replace Jonathan Cyprian, he's a guy who can, he's very rangy, he can, he can kind of play free safety, but he's very physical in the box. Um, he's a guy who would so that could be a perfect type yeah. of strong safety. Yeah, he he's a guy who would be in in a more traditional four three where he would be covering a lot more. Yeah. of uh, of a deep half, he's somebody who who could absolutely fill that role. Yeah. So again, you know, if Cyprian walks, um, the Jaguars clearly have a need there, and mm-hmm. addressing it in the second round, you know. It might be a little rich for some people's liking, you know. <laughs> Our last second round pick at safety was Jonathan Cyprian, yeah. so we'll see what happens there. And you know, the Jaguars could just roll the dice at safety, and they could say, you know, Cyprian walks. All right, let's put Sample or Gerard Wilson in. Yeah, they yeah. like both of those guys. Sample hasn't been able to stay healthy, but uh, obviously Evans is a guy that could possibly be a target. Yeah. No, this guy, he's, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, he can kind of play a little, a, little, a little too quick for himself and get kind of run himself out of the play a little bit. That seems but, to happen to every guy in, in college in at college, times, though. In the past, Texas A&M defenses have kind of 
they've kind of been a, a, a broken dam, just letting everything through. Mm-hmm. He really stepped it up this year, um, and 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 played really well. And by all accounts, he's he's going to be a guy highly coveted by quite a few teams. Awesome. Um, this our next guy is a guy you know very well. Um, I do. Uh, a linebacker out of Florida, Alex Anzalone. That's uh, right. He, no one knows how to really say his name. Some people get Anzalone, you get Anzalone. I don't even know how to say it, and I've watched every every game the kids played in in college, which unfortunately hasn't been enough because major injury risk. He get, he's injured player. the last two seasons. He's finished the year injured, but moving past the injury concerns, because you know. Guys that get injured, sometimes it ends up being a thing that really derails their career. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it ends up being a thing where the guy got injured a couple times in college and he stays healthy his whole pro career. You never know how that works out. Uh, you obviously have to factor it in, into your decision, but at the same time, this kid is electric on the football field. And uh, I don't think most people realize how good he is at a linebacker, but... He's a guy that, in my opinion, could play any linebacker position. He would be stronger at Sam or middle linebacker, but he has shown the explosiveness to do things at the weak side linebacker, in my opinion, as well. Uh, he's absolutely a monster when you send him on uh, linebacker blitzes up the middle or off <laughs> the edge. He, he can, And once he gets there, once he gets to the quarterback or to the running back or even to the receiver on wide receiver screens... They know he's there. He'll rock you. Yeah. And uh, he's not super fast. Ran a 4.7 going into college, according to rivals. But uh, he's a guy that plays faster than that. That's the bottom line. And, and he, he, man, he's just a, a straight-up ball. He's a football player. Yeah. You can just see it. Like, he came in this year at the beginning of the year coming off an injury. Uh, a lot of questions about, you know, how strong was he going to be, and he just lit it up until he got injured. I mean, he was getting double-digit tackles nearly every game and lots of tackles for losses, getting sacks. The bottom line is he's a monster, but he's also got the monster injury issues. And mm-hmm. Even with oops. the injury issues, he's still projected as a top 100 player. Yeah, in terms of talent, he's no question he's a top 100 player. And uh, it really is up in the air where he could land in the draft due to the injury concerns. But whoever gets him, if they get a healthy Alex Anzalone, they're going to love what they see. Because I'm telling you, that is one of the most talented linebackers I've seen come out of Florida in a long time. And the the linebackers that come out of Florida yeah. are not too shabby at yeah, all. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised Jared Davis isn't really on the... Jared Davis, I still believe, will be a first or second round draft he's, pick. He's he, still a stud. He's, he's not, a middle he's linebacker. Not on, he's not on the senior bowl roster as far as yeah. I saw, but he's another guy that... Awesome football player. There were times that Alex Anzalone outshined Davis though, yeah. while they were both on the field together, and that says a lot. Yeah, um, coming up, our next guy... Unless you really are in the know and you, you keep up with football draft talk, um, you're going to go, who? Right. Who is the, I don't, that's not, that's, that's made up. His name is Forrest Lamp, office of lineman out of Western Kentucky. That seems like a name we should be able to have some fun with in Jacksonville, Absolutely. maybe on Jaguars Reddit. <laughs> Absolutely. But he's a guy, I, I got to go watch him because like you, I haven't seen much about him, but... He has been the sweetheart of every draft analyst I've seen yeah. so far. He's a guy who people won't cannot stop raving about, can play all over the line. Um, I'm looking forward to actually going in and, and, and seeing what he's all about. But he's a guy who potentially, they're saying, could be a top 50 player. Um, and as we know, he's listed as a guard on the senior bowl roster. Uh, but as we know, the Jaguars, they might be looking for a couple of those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so yeah, like you said, as it relates to the Jaguars, right now it looks like in terms of interior linemen, Brandon Linder is set at center. 
I don't think there's any point in moving him back to either guard because center is the more important position. Correct. uh, The most important position on the interior offensive line. So leave your best player there. A.J. Cam, it's unclear based on his 2016 performance if he'll be guaranteed a starter, which I don't think he should be. I do think they should move him from right guard back to his more comfortable left guard and see if he can win the job there. But you bring in a guy like Lamp in the second round if you have to, or maybe even the third round if he lasts there, which he very easily could. There's going to be a lot of teams looking at this guy. But uh, if he's a guy the Jaguars can get their hands on, he should greatly improve the strength of their interior line. I mean, which it, they need to do badly. The running yeah. game was awful last year. It's it's a huge need, um, and if if a guy like but don't uh, ask Hunter about that. Our <laughs> co-host Hunter will tell you, nope, the offensive line's perfect. <laughs> He's always seems to be the sunshine pumper. That's right. I'm, He's I'm, our resident Tony Baselli. I'm the, I'm the guy that drags drags everything down. He's the one that tries to lighten the mood, and Jordan is the absolute moderator. <laughs> just, yeah, just to cut it all and make that perfect balance. Um, but moving on, um, we have yet another guy out of the SEC. Um, <laughs> what do you know? A defensive end out of Texas A&M. Not who you're thinking about. The player across from Miles Garrett is a guy named Deshaun Hall. Um, he's a guy who, obviously, the lights and the spotlight have been on Miles Garrett. Yeah, but this guy hugely overshadowed, it, and that can help um, in yeah, terms exactly. of. Uh, in terms of the Jaguars wanting, if they're interested in him, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, everybody just stare at Miles Garrett yeah. while we're over here. <laughs> and, and, and it's a guy where he, 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 he can get a lot of one-on-one situations out of that because if you're going to commit a blocker to a defensive end, yeah, you're going to send him to the other guy. Right. So it's where... He, when Miles Garrett is getting double and triple teamed, he was the guy that was going to have to step up to make plays, and he's shown the ability to make those plays year in, throughout the year. And you know, he's gonna if he does end up being in Jacksonville, he'll have a similar type situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not calling unique and Gakwe Miles Garrett, but Miles Garrett didn't have eight sacks in his rookie year yet. Yeah, very nice. Very. You true. know what I'm saying? Um, and he, I mean, he's and he's a guy six five two sixty five two seventy almost. He's a big physical guy. Um, he, I could see very very well complimenting uh, Unique on the opposite side. Um, so he's a guy maybe third fourth round somebody later that he's got a lot of talent that you could bring in. Yeah. Um, and he, I'm ex- every single name that we go down the list. It's making me more and more excited to watch this game. Um, the next one we have is a, we're covering a different position um, in the defensive backfield. It's at corner, uh, a corner out of LSU, uh, Tredavious White. This guy is so quick, so athletic. He's a punt returner. He's returned a punt in every single year he's been a starter. Three straight years, he's had a punt return for a touchdown. I was about to say, he's returned a punt. Right I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> no, the more I talk about these guys, the more I get excited and I'm get ahead of myself. A hard time. But he's, no, he's a guy, he's got an, a, a really athletic build. Um, he's, on, he's on the smaller side. Um, he's not a guy I would really put up against a physical wide receiver on the outside. Um, but, he, you know, there's guys in the NFL that aren't the biggest of cornerbacks correct. that still can match yeah. up with any any wide receiver really in the league. Yeah. So I mean something the Patriots have been employing lately, drafting the smaller yeah. guys. Malcolm Butler and now there are other young guys I'm drawing a blank on right now, but young uh, young smaller corners can't succeed. Vernon yeah. Hargraves too. Yeah. Is another example of that last year for Tampa. No, he's 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 a guy who's with the quick shift movement, changing direction, um, He's a guy who they, they, they say he's going to stick to the wide receiver. Um, now winning a physical battle when he's sticking to him, it might be a little, little bit difficult because um, he is a smaller kind of slender guy. But he's a guy who's a second to third round pick um, projection. Uh, Could be which, even higher than that if it wasn't such a strong cornerback. Draft. Yeah, it's. Th- I mean, this one's deep. Loaded. 
And that and that brings us to our next one. We're finally getting to a guy from the north. <laughs> one of the few that we have yeah. listed because we don't want to go all night. Um, Desmond King out of Iowa. He's a guy who you'll hear on any defensive back uh, awards list. He's going to be a guy that's going to be mentioned. He's a, he's a very good technical corner. The speed to me is lacking. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He's not a fast There's guy. been videos coming out during uh, senior ball practice of you make one quick move and get around him. He he just he doesn't have an opportunity to show off his skill set because the right. guy's already behind him. Yeah. So he's a guy who the speed worries me, but if if he's put in a good position to make a play on the ball, he can shut down any he's almost the opposite of the guy we just talked about, Tredavious White. Yeah. He's a guy who when he he's on the guy, yeah. he, he can get physical. He's very very technically sound, can make a good play on the football. As long as he can stay with the receiver, so maybe we're looking at a, a tweener type safety. Yeah, for he's, the Jaguars. He's, he's another guy who you could potentially put back there. He's gonna again. He's gonna be a lot of people talked about him being maybe a second round pick. Um, so I mean, he's another guy where you could potentially put him back there, uh, and it's not gonna expose him as much as far as having to. Uh, Rely on his athletic ability and, and, and keeping up with the receiver running a go route. Right. Um, and, th- I mean, there's, God, there's so many good football players that are playing in this game. So let's get to one who might not be the brightest, but at least he does have a tasty last name. Jeremy Sprinkle. <laughs> yes, Stop right. laughing. He's a good football player. He might not be the smartest person off the field, now, we're about to give you something else to laugh about right after Scott just it's, said stop laughing. It's, it's almost... And again, I, this is an Arkansas tight end. Correct. Arkansas tight Jeremy end. Jeremy Sprinkle. 6'6", six, six, big guy. He can, he, he's very athletic. Um, with, with I'm not sure how the tight end position is going to play out this offseason. We might have a hole need to be filled. But this is a guy who, the week of the Belk Bowl that he is playing in, was arrested... For shoplifting at Belk. Oh my goodness, that never gets old. I, I mean, <laughs> of all the places, if you're going to shoplift, which don't you're literally about to play in your last football game until you go into the NFL. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Shoplifting, and then it just happens to be at a store that is sponsoring. You're the literally ball game about to be game. rich. What are you doing? I will never understand a lot of these. It is beyond me. That beyond Scott. But he's a guy where he's got great talent, but does he have it mentally? Is he a guy that can grow up and put everything he has on the field and give you 100%? And you don't have to worry about what he's going to be doing coming into the weekend. Yeah, and that's going to be exactly what uh, scouts have to figure out going into the. Going into the draft. There's going to be a lot of awkward conversations with that young man. Yeah, absolutely. And he's going to have to just sit there and just explain himself. He's got to have an answer that convinces these guys, I'm, it's a one-time mistake. I don't know how it happened, but we got to, I've moved past it. Yeah, so um, we're going to finish off the uh, everybody except the running back segment with <laughs> Nathan Peterman, who... In case you forgot, graduated from Bartram Trail right here in Jacksonville. Uh, he's six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Obviously, that's a prototypical NFL size for a quarterback. Um, he has a really quick release. He's a, been known as a very good decision maker. Uh, he throws with great touch and accuracy. Uh, his big knock is he does not have a superlative arm. Mm. He plays a pit. Yeah, by the way. Yeah. Started out at Tennessee, I think? Yes, transferred to Pitt and was a starter his last two years at Pitt. Played, played really good football. Yeah. Again, the uh, sorry about that. We have things falling from the sky over here. That was my phone. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was my phone. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy that 
threw 27 touchdowns to only seven interceptions his senior year. So, and that kind of goes towards the whole good decision maker. And uh, he's a type of guy that obviously isn't going to be a first day or probably even second day draft pick, but sometime on the third day, he's probably going to get drafted by a team. And as we were talking about earlier, the Jaguars might be in the market for another another backup quarterback. It seems as if the narrative's going that Chad Henney probably won't be around next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Peterman could be a guy the Jaguars look at, and what a great story that would be. Well, yeah, regardless, I'm rooting for the guy from Jacksonville. Absolutely. So, again, the thing to look at with him is the arm strength. Uh, it's not great, but if you make the right decisions in the NFL at the quarterback position, that can make up for a lot of deficiencies with arm strength. Not every great quarterback or every elite quarterback has been an amazing guy in terms of arm strength. So, you know, he seems to be a prospect that could could end up being successful in the NFL. And he also has impressed greatly uh, at the Senior Bowl so far, based on all the reports coming out. He uh, has been the best quarterback and most accurate quarterback at the Senior Bowl, which isn't a great crop of quarterbacks, obviously. Most of the star quarterbacks don't participate in such such unimportant games. Did you see Deshaun Watson, how much flack he caught for refusing the, the Senior Bowl? Yeah. But it, it, that's, a, that's a whole other story for another day, but that was just irritating. Yeah, I mean, it's the guy. You've seen enough from Deshaun Watson. Like He's played Alabama twice. He's played Florida State a bunch of times. He's played quality competition. You don't need to see him in another. And and people were calling out how he went about it. And it was completely just misfounded. I mean, we're getting off off topic here, but yeah, that's it's, fine. It's, uh, yeah, it's unbelievable to me. Nothing wrong he's, with He's going to make money. He doesn't need to play that game. Yeah. And the, going back to uh, Peterman a little bit, it's really crazy how very different scouts have him graded. Um, I've seen anywhere from a guy, like, basically could be undrafted, yeah. like in the 250s, to all the way up to the sixth-ranked quarterback in the class. And like we said earlier, QBs, you don't know who, you don't know what team is going to see just a little something in a guy and take a chance on him. That's absolutely right. Now... We're going to get into a really fun position group with the Senior Bowl. The Jaguars obviously have a need, maybe not necessarily at running back, but they must improve their running game. Whether they want to do that, whether they want to do that by um, by picking up another free agent, using their first round pick on Dalvin Cook or Leonard Fournette, (laughs) you know, maybe taking a running back in the second round. they have many different uh, ways that they can go about this this year. Um, I do think it would be a mistake to just stick with T.J. Yeldon and Chris Ivory. you got to bring in some new blood, in my opinion. Absolutely. Now, each of these running backs that's in the Senior Bowl, I think at the very earliest could be taken in the third round. At the very earliest. So yeah. at the end of day, day number two... I would bet all of them will last till day three, but there's two in particular that I think potentially could be day two draft picks and could be making a good impact in the NFL sooner rather than later. Now that's Jamal Williams and Kareem Hunt. Um, Williams is a guy that is... Is that BYU? Yeah, he's out of BYU. I have nightmares about that guy. He ran all <laughs> He's over the torn up many teams in oh college. Uh, he's just a really talented guy. Um, his biggest knock is his top-end speed. He doesn't really have elite 40 time that you look for. Uh, he's drawn some comparisons to Matt Forte, who also was out of a smaller school in Tulane or Tulane, however you'd like to say that. Um, He's a guy who put up huge numbers in college. He got injured his junior year, came back his senior year, and absolutely just dominated. Um, So he's a guy that can kind of do it all. 
He's got the shiftiness. He shows power. He shows vision. But he just doesn't have the breakaway speed, and that's really what's going to keep him from being considered one of the top running backs in this class, which is just so loaded with talented yeah. running backs. Um, and I think Williams, Jamal Williams, who we're talking about, and Kareem Hunt could have both been second or third round picks in a different draft. And to, in this day and age with running backs, it's not, a, it's not about, to me, checking off every single box. It's about, can this, this guy make our team better? Yeah. Because when you're going with teams will run two, three, four running backs a game. It's not about really having – there's very few teams that have that bell cow back anymore. So if you Boy, have a guy – it would be nice to have one, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you, you, you sing your praises when you do have one, but when you don't, you can afford to spend a pick on a guy like Jamal Williams who can give you something that maybe another guy doesn't have when he's, I think, showing that he can perform very well. Yeah, absolutely. Now – um, Kareem Hunt, I personally think, is going to be a better football player in the NFL than Jamal Williams. I could easily understand if you disagreed with me. But I just think he's the more complete package. Uh, he's definitely going to be a little bit faster in the 40-second – or, I mean, excuse me, 40-yard dash. Um, and his he played at Toledo. His numbers were ridiculous, and now they weren't at a Power 5 school, which everyone's going to knock him for that, but it is hard to overlook 6.3 yards per carry, 44 career rushing touchdowns. I mean, he's got some incredible numbers. And now, his size and speed combo is much more impressive than is Williams, Mm -hmm. because he's going to run faster than Williams, and he's 225 pounds. He's 6'1", which is a little tall for a running back. But he shows the ability to lower his pad level when uh, impact is about to happen. So he's not like that tall running back that's getting blown up because he's running too tall. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Running too high. So he can get the pad level lowered and really lower the boom into some guys. And like Williams, he shows the ability to do it all. The biggest knock for me on him is that he almost exclusively ran from a shotgun set, which in the NFL, you will do that from time to time, but you need to be able to run from more traditional running formations, such as the I-form or just a single back set with Mm. the quarterback under center. Um, He also uh, doesn't show the ability to create huge plays by himself all the time. He's got a lot of uh, medium to long runs, but none of that are just like huge breakaways, you know, like 50, 60 yards, you know, what you're seeing out of Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette Mm. and guys like that. So I think he's going to be a good running back. I don't know if he's going to be a star, but I think he will be a guy that can have an impact day one in the NFL. So those are our two top guys. Uh, there's a few more guys in this draft, though, that are interesting. Excuse me. Um, Corey Clement, who's out of Wisconsin. I personally don't see much from the guy, but he's well-regarded. Uh, he comes from a traditional a traditional uh, school that's, you know, very known for their running game and for their offensive lines. And Yeah, I think that, that might add to his kind of highlight yeah. about, about people with the spotlight on him because he's at a premier running back university. <laughs> right. But the thing about it is his predecessor, Melvin Gordon, who was a first-round pick in 2015, averaged 7.8 yards per carry in college. And that is really rare to see that yeah. high of numbers. Yeah. You see some guys that do that, but, you know, those are the elite guys. Uh, obviously, Clement is not that, but... Um, Gordon's average of 7.8 was nearly double what Clement has been doing in his career. Clement averages 4.4 yards a carry. And now if he was able to bring the 4.4 yards a carry straight to the NFL, yeah, you take that all day. But you can't just say, oh, he averaged 4.4 yards a carry in college. That's what he's going to do in the NFL. Um, He stands 5'10". He weighs nearly 230 pounds. Uh, But... He doesn't really show much beyond his size. He's not super quick. He's not super powerful for a guy his size. And uh, he's just not 
not that intriguing in my opinion. Now we're going to have to cut short on Donnell Pumphrey and Davion Smith, but just for your knowledge, Donnell Pumphrey. You're not much, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's tiny. He's 180 pounds, but he set the all-time FBS record for rushing yards in a season. I mean, excuse me, in a career with over 6,400 rushing yards, 67 touchdowns. He's going to be able to run a 4.3 second 40-yard dash in Ooh. all likelihood. So you're like, wow, this guy's amazing. Only 180 pounds. And his 180 pounds is not comparable to like a Darren Sproles because Darren Sproles is shorter and more compact. This guy's skinny as it gets in terms of NFL talent. Then you've got Davion Smith from Michigan, who is a running back who's got a lot of power. He makes huge plays regularly, but he's not consistent. Uh, you'll see the flash plays, but you won't see the consistency. Unfortunately, we are now out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.